That testimony night, y'all don't know how much. That was just really good. All those testimonies, what a blessing that was to me personally to hear those various things. We're in, we're in uh, Exodus, not Ezekiel, Exodus chapter uh, 12, and we'll be starting with verse 3 tonight. And next week we have David Gamble coming, and, and Brother Gamble pastors Shenandoah Baptist Church in in Cleveland, Tennessee, they have there a girls' school that's kind of like what we'd say a roll-off school. Okay, so they deal with that and, and just a lot of things that go on there with that, and so they have that. Uh, but yet, uh, we find that Renee, his wife, is often used as a speaker, and actually, uh, Brother Gamble will do two or three revival services uh, every year for other preachers having them in. He's a good revival speaker as well as a good pastor. And I, I got to sit in uh, his church on several different occasions and listen to him preach. And I thought, man, this guy has a heart of a pastor. And that's what I liked about him. And the fact that for the many years that he's been serving the Lord, uh, he would never went when contemporary and everybody else was putting the pressure to go another direction and some of the folks that he knew, friends of his that did go other directions, uh, no, he's, he stayed true to the Word. And that's what I appreciate about Brother David Gamble, staying true and standing strong for our Lord. And so that's just one of the things I wanted to share with you for next week. So uh, we're going to have him both services next Sunday preaching for us. He and his wife are going to sing for us. Uh, they both went to Pensacola Christian College, and they're on one of the tour groups that would go and sing. And so uh, that was a, another thing about him, a preacher that can sing. You hate him, don't you? No, we hate him. We preachers hate him that can't sing, okay? But uh, uh, we uh, know that he, he's been used of the Lord in so many ways over the years, and I'm just excited to have him coming and, and be with us. And I know that you'll enjoy him as well. Okay, we're going to read verses 3 and 4 here, and then we'll have a word of prayer, and then get into our message tonight. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month. Okay, now this is May the 29th, okay. And just imagine the Lord giving us command, saying, Okay, the 29th day of this month, from now on, each year observe this. Okay. And so from May 29th every year, that's what we'd be doing uh, to follow command of the Lord. If it was important enough to the Lord to make this a command, not just for Israel that day, but even on through that even Jesus Christ, because that would be initiating the Passover, and Jesus Christ was crucified at Passover. Now you think about that the Lamb of God, crucified for us at Passover. And so, uh, he says that you shall make them every man, uh, take them every man, a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. 
every man to the number uh, according to the eating shall he make uh, your count for the lamb. So I read verses 3 and 4 there, and I just wanted you to see that this is a something, it's a command that's going to be an ongoing command. Okay, it's an ongoing. And so to this day, they do that. Now we could go into the how they do Passover today, the cleaning of the house, and how they'll hide some dirt in place, and they'll go look for it because they want to make sure they get all the leaven out of the house. They want to get all the dirt out of the house and to show the need of a clean, a clean heart, a clean person, uh, wholly acceptable unto God as you see the work that the Lord does in our heart and life. So I just, uh, even though they may not realize and obviously don't receive Christ as, as we do today, don't see Him as a Messiah, though many Jews have received Him as Messiah, but uh, the very thing they do is a picture of Jesus Christ. And so I just thought I would uh, say that before we have our prayer. Father, I think of these things, Lord, and just, just remember that uh, we're saved by God's grace through the shed blood of Jesus Christ as we repent and believe the gospel and trust Him that He meant when He said that if we'd come to Him he would in no wise cast us out. And so, Father, I pray as we go on into this message tonight, I pray that Thy Spirit will make this clear and understandable for each and every person here tonight, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, we looked at the idea of this lamb, and just very briefly to look at it, but we said, okay, the lamb could have been a lamb, and the Bible doesn't say about it was a lamb for Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve sinned. What did they do? They realized they're naked, so they said, hey, we've got to do something about that, and they make fig leaves to cover them. Fig leaves won't do it. It won't do the job. And so, as a result, uh, when God appears to them, He talks to them, rebukes them for the sin. He tells Eve that she will have pain and childbearing, and, and that goes on to this day for a lady. But also we find that at that time that it would be the seed of the woman. As we've told you many times before, the seed comes from the man, but in this case the Holy Spirit comes upon her and then begins inside her to form a servant, a, 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 a seed I mean, who would be the one who would be our Savior. And uh, some people tried to make that sexual. It is not sexual. It was the Spirit of God, the very Holy Spirit of God, and that He would form the seed there, and then the Father would take over and form the body of Jesus Christ over that nine-month period. But I'm also pointing that out just to say, I believe it was a lamb, simply because Jesus is called the Lamb of God, and that lamb would be representative of one day the promise to Eve of a Savior. After the death of Abel, when Seth was born, she thought this might be the one. And of course it wasn't, but that was her hope. She was looking for Jesus. 
And you know, that's what we need to be doing is looking for a Savior. But again, I look at that lamb and I say, well, that was probably being able to converse with all the lambs to be able to uh, take care of them. All the animals. I mean, Adam named every tree, every plant, every animal, every everything, and whatever he named it, that was the name thereof. And so, in doing all of that, this lamb that they would care. And, and Eve would be his help me. Now, I've told you this before, but let me just say it again. The word help me has the idea in it of help meet a goal. Okay? The goal that God gave Adam was to tend the garden of Eden. To be over all things. The animals, the birds, every bit of it. And Eve would be a helpmeet, help him meet the goal for the tending of the garden, for the tending of the things of this nature. Eve would help him in that. That was their ministry as a husband and a wife before God. They had a ministry. Now, they lost their authority over the animals, everything, when they fell. That's why the devil... When he's tempting Jesus out on the mountain, he says, here's all the kingdoms of the world. I'll give them to you if you'll bow down and worship me because they are mine to give. And Jesus didn't rebuke that to say, no, it's not. No, Jesus knew that from what he took from Adam that day that Adam sinned. That went to Satan. It was through the cross, death, burial, and resurrection that Jesus got the keys in his humanity of the hell and of death and has all of that now under his hand. What man lost was regained. You know, we say the old poem, Paradise Lost, but Paradise Regained, and that was in Jesus Christ. So I, I'm, I'm pointing all that out just to say we're looking back to there, a lamb that they would have, petted a lamb that was just probably a special thing for Adam and Eve, like a pet. And now that lamb would be slain. That lamb they loved would be slain. And his wool would be taken that he might clothe Adam and Eve, because the clothing is just like all of our good works. It was so insufficient. Man tries to save himself through his works, and he won't do it. It'll never happen. And when people say, I think the Lord will weigh my good against my bad, and all this other, and I'll be all right, because I'm not like so many other people, that person's going to break hell wide open. You see, yes, Yes, in our measure, that somebody might be better than a lot of Christians that's unsaved, but still, except a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. A man's got to be saved. A person's got to be saved. And so because of that, because of that, we're not the measure of what is good and bad, what God ought to do, ought not do. He's the judge, not us. Say, that's what we've got to get in our mind. So here's, here they are in the garden. That's what we're looking at this morning is that lamb. 
And on that lamb would be placed the penalty for their sin. Now, we went on about the clothing, the red wool of Christ, and so forth like that. But tonight, I'm just saying, here's a lamb, and that lamb had our sin placed upon him. And the blood of that lamb covered the sin. But you see, that wasn't the lamb of God. It is the lamb of God that takes away our sin. It's the lamb of God that cleanses us from our sin. But a penalty for Adam and Eve's sin was paid that day in the garden when that lamb's blood was shed. And later, I don't know if Cain thought, well, I don't want to kill a lamb. I'm a tiller of the ground. I'll give him of the ground. I'm not even going to give him the best of the ground. You know, isn't it interesting? Abel gave of the best of the flock. But Cain only gave of the ground. Even what he gave was not the best of what he had. And you see, that's the way man tries to work and tries to devise their own way of salvation is something that costs nothing as far as they're concerned. Now, so you have a lamb that represents Jesus Christ bearing our sins. So that's the question to ask yourself. Who does the lamb represent? Jesus Christ. And what was placed on that lamb for Adam and Eve's sin? Their sin, okay. That was placed. And he would be a covering. But that wasn't enough. A seed would have to come to be the Savior. And that is the very seed. That is the very lamb of God for us and the lamb that we need. So for every one of us, we must have a Savior. Not one of us is exempt. Each person must receive Christ as Savior. But the great thing is, as we pointed out this morning, 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, He is the propitiation for our sins, but not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Think of that, the whole world. That's why Revelation 22, 17, whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. And so we read here in verse 4, and if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next into his house take it. Now here's another picture for us. There will never be a point in time before Christ comes back, there will never be a point in which, all right, it's been fulfilled, all the blood that was shed for us, the payment was made for us, okay, it saved all that it can save, that's it. It can't save anybody else. No, they didn't say go out and kill another lamb. They said if there's not enough in the house to finish that one lamb. You see, that one lamb would take care of all the house. It would take care of all of them. And if it wasn't, uh, enough in the house, and there was m much of that lamb that was left over because they were supposed to finish that whole lamb that night. What would they do? They'd share it with the neighbor. And my friend, 
you received Christ as your Savior, the Lamb of God that was sacrificed for our sin. Oh, your whole house, you should share it with your whole house. But then, there's still lamb left over. Share it with your neighbor. Share it with the unsaved. That they too may be saved. They in their house as the Philippian jailer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And thy house. So according to the number of souls. Every man according to his eating. Will make your count, you might say, for the lamb. That, that, that's it. Be sure. Be sure. Be so sure that you're saved and that your family is saved. Never give up on one. They can't be, never give up on one. Some people think, I'm just, I've been so bad, I've done so much evil, I can't be saved. But you, know, you and I know I can because there's no sin that is greater than the power of the saving blood of Jesus Christ. He can save. He can do it. So, don't give up. They, it may take some time. But don't give up. Now notice, He's to share it with his neighbor, but there is no charge to the neighbor with whom that he shares the lamb. It's free. Jesus wants all to be saved. It's free. And it costs us nothing of eternal reward to share the gospel with others. As a matter of fact, to do so builds up eternal reward. So again, if the lost, they don't have the Lamb of God. They don't have the Word of God. They don't have the gospel. We have a personal responsibility before God to try to bring them to Christ. Now realize, every house, even the house that was beside them, uh, all those Israelites, that blood was being shed for them. His blood, Jesus, was shed for our sin. Every house needed the blood. Not just because they were the children of Israel could they get by. They needed the lamb. They needed the blood. Just because you grew up in a Christian home doesn't save you. Just because you grew up in a Christian home and you made a decision as a younger person doesn't mean that you're just really right with God and everything's hunky-dory. No. You need to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But you know, there's something that I, I thought about. You know, if an Egyptian, having seen all these things that happened, because some of his magicians and others tried to warn Pharaoh, say, you know, you've had all these plagues. Every plague that took place in, on Egypt back then was God attacking something the Egyptians worshipped. 
whether it was flies or frogs or lice or anything else. Now, why would you worship a frog? I have no idea. Or lice. I have no idea. But all of these were gods they worshipped, and they erected uh, things for their gods. And yet, God judged all of those, and that was a witness to the Egyptians about their God. And some of the Egyptians warned Pharaoh, saying, hey, this is the hand of God. We better watch out. And I believe that if some of the Egyptians heard about the lamb being slain for a house and applied the blood uh, to the doorpost, if they would have heard about it, I believe they would have inquired to find out what all was involved and had it applied to their doorpost, believing that, yes, that death angel will pass through and take the firstborn, which he did. There are people who won't get saved, who question whether there's a God or not, yet they somehow end up believing there is a hell, and their fear is great if they're told they're going to die. They believe there's a hell, but they don't want to put their faith in the Lord. You see, if Egyptians had done that, what they would be doing is that they would be repenting. Therefore, they'd be turning from their religion. They'd be repenting from the worship of frogs and snakes and, and, and lice and all the other afflictions that were brought forth. They'd be repenting from them and turning to God. A rejection of their religion which would not have put them in good standing with many of the other Egyptians. So to make a stand for Christ may have cost them something. But they could have been saved, I believe, if they trusted God. I really believe that. Even if a neighbor who is an Israelite, if he had no lamb, then one that had it, could share it with them because the gospel is still even then for whosoever will. You see, it's pride that allows, uh, that prevents so many from saying, oh, I don't deserve to go to hell. Come on. I mean, that mass murderer, now he deserves to go to hell. Oh, the pornographer, that, that pornographer, that, that all that pornography, he deserves to go to hell. And on we can talk about those that deserve to go to hell. Don't forget, every one of us born into this world were born deserving to go to hell. But Jesus paid it all. They all heard. All of the Israel, Israelis heard. It was given to them. But any one of the Israelis that did not prepare, even if their house, they had a lamb and they slew it, and, and, and the head of the house put blood on the doorpost, and they would serve and, and they would eat that lamb that night. If this one says, that's a bunch of baloney, 
I'm going to stay out and party tonight. That one would have died that night, I believe. You see, they all had to be in the house. They all heard. They knew. But if they did not prepare, then they died. Their firstborn died before the break of day. You know, it's impossible, impossible for an unsaved man when he says, I'm all right. What, what's all this stuff about sin and all that? I'm all right. It's impossible for him to get saved until his pride, his self-righteousness is deflated of all that self-righteousness uh, self and pride. Then he can see he needs a Savior. And God has entrusted you and me to let them know who that Savior is and that He can save them. Oh, what a uh, thing that we need to do. Now, some people think, well, you really think that the Egyptians could have been saved? Well, you know the Egyptians are a type of the world in Scripture. They, they are a type of the world. And yet, Yes, they could have been saved. You see, Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11, is true at all times. All times, this is true. It was true in the beginning, it's true today, and it'll be true when Jesus comes again. And it's this. The Lord says he hath no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Rather, that he turn from his way. That is the way of the world. That is the way of sin. That is the way of wickedness. That he turn from his evil way, his sin, and live. In other words, he's calling them to repent. Do you see that it is a witness that we need to have to the one who does not have the Lamb of God? You know, as Christians, we are temples of the Holy Spirit, a house. If you're saved, you are a house, a temple to the Holy Spirit of God. We can quench him as Christians. We, we, we can just really, really offend the Holy Spirit even as a Christian. And we often do it without really realizing what we're doing. Because if we real, really realize the impact of that, maybe we'd have a more fear of God than we have a fear of man and what they think. 
You know, sometimes people go to church, and maybe they've had sin in their life, and people look at them and they say, huh, what are they doing here? Boy, they needed to come. Then there's people in their church, they'll look around and they'll see somebody. They stare at them. They stare at them. They stare at people. And look, I've had people tell me that. I mean, over the years, I've had people tell me that. These people just looking at me, just kept looking at me. Now, in my first church, I had a, one of my members, he, he said, man, I get out there and I'll work in my yard and this is, there's this neighbor that sits over there and just looks at me. He said, what do I do about that? Guy just looks at me the whole time I'm out there. I don't know what made me say this. But I said to him, well, the next time he's doing that, just go. <laughs> he said he did, and that guy got up and ran in his house. <laughs> that's, that's the truth. Now, but people are looking at you. Sometimes it's because you're maybe convicted about something in your life, and you think they know. But if they're looking at you, and in their own mind they're looking down at you and things like that, judging you. Whatever problem they think you have, their problem is greater. Their problem is greater. You know, people walk in this house, they ought to see that people love them. We want them. That's what they need to see. They need to see the love of God. And so, here they are. To be a witness. And that witness is about the Lamb of God who was given to us. But notice the qualifications there in verse 5. Your Lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep, for, from the goat. In other words, this would be the best of all of them. And so they just couldn't get out and say, man, this, look at that old mangy thing. Oh, look at that lamb. It's got, it's got some kind of disease it looks like. Yeah, let's, let's sacrifice that one. No, it had to be of the first year. It had to be of the best without blemish because that would represent sin. And we needed something that would represent the purity and, and righteousness of Christ to pay the penalty for our sin. And so, that lamb being a picture, a symbol. Remember, that lamb now is not the actual Christ. A type of Christ is not the substance. Christ is the substance. But even the type should be a right reflection of the person of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, they had to make a sacrifice, and it had to be an acceptable sacrifice. And for us, there is only one, and that is Jesus Christ, just like theirs had to be of the first of the flock, there, the first year. It shows that of the first year that that lamb, 
was not a newborn lamb. It wasn't a baby. It was a lamb of the first year. It may have been a whole year old, or may not have been, but it was of the first year. In other words, its meat would still be tender. Its meat will st still be good. Its meat would still be edible. And yet, it was something that they would need to see. See, the blood of Jesus Christ was not shed for us when he was a little baby. But he was the Lamb of God, you might say of the first year, because there was no sin in him. Nothing that would in any way toughen the meat of salvation. Psalms 34 is mentioned and, and others along 37 and other psalms that are mentioned, but 34 verse 8 says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Trusting in him. A tender, loving Lord. Think of it. Do you have a sin in your life? You know, sometimes this happens. There's a sin in your past. And Satan comes back. And he throws that before you. Maybe some people know of the past and they throw that before you. And that sin seems to come back and it seems to haunt you. And you're wondering, why? And that sin, that, that sin of the past, you got saved, you repented. It's not a part of your life, but it was in your life at one time. But as an undying ghost of the past, even though you know you're forgiven and you have forsaken that sin, it seems to come back and want to haunt you in your mind, in your spirit. even to the point of trial. And yet, understand, when that comes back, and there might be people, there might be people that know the past and they'll throw that at you. But just remember this, that lamb bore that in his body. That lamb bore that pain for you and me. And as much, and, and Brother Tom Campbell's testimony tonight was very similar to that. As much as that sin just comes uh, and it seemed like knives going deep into your spirit. Anything of the past that's been brought under the blood of Jesus Christ, just understand this. Please don't miss it out, miss out on it because this is the truth. Anything of the past, and you received Christ, you turned from Him, 
uh, from sin and you turn to him and you ask him to cleanse you of that sin, you ask him to cleanse you, just remember, just remember, as much pain as you think that you have felt from your past or from any sin in your life will not match the pain that Jesus had on the cross for that same sin for you. But he endured it for the joy that was set before him. Oh, there are some people that there'll be in a church and they'll see someone new come in or they'll see someone else in there and they're wondering about them. They, something they may just not like about them. And they'll go right straight to the internet and see anything they can find on that person. And anything they find, they'll make sure that they get that out to other people. That kind of a person is the low-down thing that Satan likes to use. Okay? That's a person that we really need to pray for, that they'd get right with God because they're so far away from the Lord. It's pathetic if they are saved. Yes, Satan's going to attack. One of the things I think I've found in my lifetime about the attacks of Satan is when obviously in serving the Lord, it is somehow upsetting the devil and he's going to attack to try to stop you. And if it's your past, he'll do everything he can to reveal it. If it's something else, he'll do what he can to get you to stop serving our Lord and Savior who died for that sin. Oh, if any Israelite did not bring all his children in to the home that night that had the blood on the doorpost and the meat that was right there for them, if any of their children, young or older, did not come into the house, Oh, the pain in the heart that that child died because they would not come in. They snuck out of the house and they suffered it all. So as we look at this, this lamb, the lamb of God, Jesus Christ. He paid the penalty. So if Satan can get you to not be a witness, he can get you so discouraged that you just don't really feel like doing anything anymore, just remember this. You didn't suffer as much as he, for your own sin that he suffered for you. Even the memories that come back flooding as a nasty, stormy, lightning-filled storm to put fear in your heart and to disturb your peace. Even Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There'd be no grace while he was on the cross because the Father, instead of sending angels, would be pouring out his wrath on his human spirit. 
So why take it? Why take it? Why should I be in church? Why should I be faithful to God? Why should I serve Him? Why should I seek to be separate from sin when all these things are the attacks? Jesus showed us. Jesus showed us. For the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame. Yeah, you may despise those things. But your faith includes trusting that God does not lie, His Word does not lie, and that for the joy set before us, that the reward will be far greater throughout all eternity than whatever Satan threw at you to try to take you off the track. You stood firm, and there's victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus. Recognize, anytime you're done wrong, anytime there's wrong in your life, yes, you want to try to stand up and, and make sure things are right. And yes, there are times you say, well, there's no proof for that. But understand, whether there's proof or not, stand up for Jesus. Don't quit. You keep on keeping on because victory will come. Victory does come. Sometimes we're looking for victory right now. Sometimes we're looking for victory only in this life. But really, the true victory is in eternity. Do you have faith in that? Do you really trust that great is your reward in heaven? I mean, do you really believe that Jesus, when He said, when men say all matter of evil against you falsely, when they accuse you falsely, He says rejoice? Because great is your reward in heaven. Now, didn't the Bible say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and uh, the same was in the beginning with God, all things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. This is Jesus Christ. Oh, that's talking about Jesus. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. So Jesus, Creator, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Creator. Three divine persons and one divine essence, Creator. And every day of the creation, at the end of the day, and God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good. After each day, and God saw that it was good. Boy, you look at this earth the heavens that surround us. Oh, the beauty, the magnificence. I mean, we can't deny the greatness and the magnificence of that. But, he didn't say, when men say all matter evil against you, Paul said, mind they say rejoice. You wonder, why would I rejoice about that? 
He didn't say, for good is your reward in heaven. He said, for great is your reward in heaven. And if he would say something is great, I, have, I can't comprehend it. Because what he made that was good in his sight is great to me. So when we think about great, it's up to us to have the faith to say, okay, let them say what they say. Let it happen that happens against me. But I'm going to keep on keeping on. There's victory in Jesus. I am resolved no longer to linger. Charmed by the world's delight. Oh my goodness. Don't be charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher. Things that are nobler. <laughs> they no longer need to uh, be in the way of the world. But the things that are higher and things that are nobler of Christ. That's what allures our sight. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Let's bow our heads.